The following audio is from Pathway Community Church. More information about Pathway Community Church is available at www.pathwaycommunity-church.org. He has for us today from his word. We're finishing up our series this morning. We've been in a series this summer called Citizens of Heaven, Residents of America. And we've been trying to look at what God's word says about citizens of heaven and being part of his kingdom and being his people and living that out in America today. And sometimes we get those things confused. We think we're Americans first and and citizens of heaven second. But we've tried to to say, no, this is really what the reality is. And so uh, we're we're finishing up that series this morning. And then I mentioned we're going to start a new series next week. So I want to encourage you to tune in for that. But uh, you know, if you just step back and kind of look, we're in August, right? I mean, we're about, what, two-thirds the way, almost two-thirds the way through this year. And man, what a year we've had already, right? I mean, like, this is some year. I mean, I wonder what's left and what's coming. I mean, we, we're in the midst of a global pandemic still, right? I mean, that's what they're calling it. COVID-19 is a global pandemic, right? That's, that's affected every one of us. And everyone has been living either isolated or social distancing and, and we're wearing masks, right? And, and we're, people are fighting over wearing masks. I mean, can you believe that? We fight over wearing masks. It's crazy. What else has happened this year? Stock market volatility. People have been laid off. People have lost their jobs this year. Racial protest. Killing of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery sparked protests and, and people are protesting. And then on top of that, there's loot, looting going on. There's stealing. People are breaking into stores and stealing things. I mean, this is what's going on in our country, right? People, people are, are, are taking advantage of the opportunity. And then on top of that, right? I mean, I'm like, wow, just this week I was talking to somebody and we had tornadoes hit in our communities and, and trees are down. Some of you got hit hard by this. And it's like, wow, that's just, we're just in August, right? <laughs> and with everything going on in the world today, many people have been wondering, are we living in the end times? Like, are we, are we living in the end times? Just a few comments about this. Jesus himself said that he is going to come again. Jesus came once to be our Savior and our Lord. And he's coming again. And he's coming again because he's going to judge the living and the dead. And he's going to determine those that belong to him and those that have rejected him and don't belong to him and are going to face eternal judgment. And, and Jesus said he's going to come again. Like that, that, You can see that in the Bible. But the Bible also warns us against making pre- precise predictions about exactly when he's going to come back. Like the Bible says, we don't know exactly when Jesus is going to come again. And yet, people have tried throughout the centuries to say, you know, I know exactly when he's going to come back. In other words, let me just say this. If you hear someone claim that they know when Jesus is coming again exactly, then, then you can be certain of one thing. They are absolutely wrong. Here's the third comment I want to make, is that the Bible says prior to the return of Jesus... Certain things will happen. And we're seeing some of those things, many of those things even happening today in our age. One of those things is that he said before his return that the gospel will be proclaimed to every nation, to every people. 
He said that would happen. And in Mark 13.10, you see this. And never before in the history of our world has there been the opportunity through the internet, through the technologies we have, for the gospel to be proclaimed to every place in the world. In fact, I was uh, recently came across Wycliffe, Wycliffe Bible Translators. They have a group called Wycliffe Associates. And they have a goal that by 2025, that every people group in the world will have a Bible in their own language. That's not too far off. Another sign Jesus gave, he said, the Bible says that before Jesus returns, Satan will make one final attempt to in the world. And there will be a massive onslaught of evil. There'll be massive opposition to the gospel, massive fighting. And, and Jesus said, you know what, that's going to happen. And, and there'll be, at the, as the end comes, there'll be, there'll be wars and there'll be rumors of wars. And then it'll come back. And so are we living in the end times? I'd say yes. Yes, it's much closer. The return of Jesus is much closer today than it ever was before. But listen. A better question to ask is not, are we living in the end times? A better question to ask is, are you ready for the return of Jesus? Are you ready, church, for the return of Jesus? And so that's the question we're going to answer this morning in this last message in this series. And the passage we're going to look at is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And so if you have a Bible, uh, it's a, this is a small letter about two-thirds of the way through the New Testament. And I want to invite you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. There's Bibles under the seats. You can look on your phone. Or if you just want to listen, that's fine too. And we're going to look in this passage in 1 Thessalonians 5, what the Apostle Paul wrote through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So this are God's words spoken through the Apostle Paul to the church in Thessalonica and to us today. And we're going to see in this passage there are two groups of people, right? Two groups of people. The first group of people, they're not ready for the return of Jesus. They're not ready for it. And then we're going to see another group of people, and it's like these, this group of people, they are ready. They're ready for the return of Jesus, And so we're going to look at the characteristics of each group and they want us to learn from these these people, especially the ones that are ready for his return, want to learn from them so that we too, as a church, as a people, can be ready for the return of Jesus. So let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to read these verses. If you're here with us, I want to invite you to stand up as we read God's word, just to, to respect his word. And let's hear what God has to say to us this morning. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there's peace, there's security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in the darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We're not of the night or of the darkness, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who will sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, 
having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet of the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, whether we are dead or alive, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. I did a search this week and I found that over, over the centuries, at least you know, people tried to, to count up how many times different people have predicted the return of Jesus. And said, you know, this is the exact day and this is the exact time Jesus is going to come back. And I found at least 45 different groups of people or individuals have said and gone out on a limb and said, hey, this is when he's coming back. And every one of them was wrong. And yet, there's something in us, something about us that we just think, you know what, I just, I just want to know. If I could just figure it out, if I just knew the exact time, like somehow I'd get ready and be prepared for it if I just knew when. Notice what Paul says here to the church at Thessalonica, because they were those kind of people. They wanted to know, like, we can figure it out, and we can look at the signs, and, and we can determine exactly when he's coming back. And so they were trying to figure it out. In fact, some of them thought they had it figured out and actually quit their jobs and stopped working because they're like, he's coming back soon and and I want to be ready, so I'm not even going to work. And he's like, no, Paul said, get back to work. Like, don't quit your job today. So he says, here's what he says in verse 1, because he's like, listen, now concerning the times and the seasons... Brothers and sisters, like trying to know the exact time and season when Jesus is coming back. Like you have no need to have anything else written to you. Like I, like we already, I've already talked to you about this and we already know the things that you need to know about the return of Jesus. And you know that you can't know the exact date and time and so, so he reminds them of this. And then he says, but here's what we do know about the return of Jesus. And so he reminds them, and I want to remind you, and if you're new and you're listening in, to hear what we know about the return. He uses two metaphors. The first metaphor is one of a thief. For you yourselves are fully aware, he says, that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When you see the day of the Lord in Scripture, it means the return of Jesus. It means the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now, here's the thing about thieves or burglars, right? They don't announce when they're coming to your house to steal your stuff, right? I mean, tell me, have any of you ever received a text from a thief who said, hey, I was thinking of coming over to your house next Tuesday night at 2 a.m. in the morning. Would that be okay with you? Because I want to rob you blind. No. We, we don't have, that doesn't happen that way. A thief comes, get, check this out, suddenly and unexpectedly. There, there's not like an announcement of, hey, tomorrow's the day. And so he's like, you know, we know Jesus' return. This is a metaphor for Jesus' return, right? His return will come suddenly. His return will be unexpected. And notice, it says this is going to happen while some people are saying, there's peace, there's security, everything's fine, no need to worry. I got plenty of time. 
This is the first group and the first characteristic of, of those who are not ready for the return of Jesus. They have what I call the Hakuna Matata mentality. You've seen The Lion King? Maybe not, but in the, in it, there's a song, Hakuna Matata. It means like everything's fine, everything's okay, no problems. People that are not ready for the return of Jesus think everything's good to go. As a pastor, I've heard people say things like, I want to enjoy my life now and I'll get serious about God later. Or I've heard people say, I want to have fun while I'm young and then once I settle down, then I'll go back to church. That's the hakuna mentata mentality. Everything's good. I'm fine. Don't bother me with those spiritual things. What are you talking about the return of Jesus for? I'm just trying to enjoy my life today. You know, like I want to just act like everything's fine. I have peace. I have security. Like I'm just living for the moment. I'm indulging my flesh today. Don't, don't make me feel bad about indulging my flesh today with something about the return of Jesus. Like, like Hakuna Mentata, man. Listen to me. There is serious danger. There's serious danger spiritually in living with that kind of mentality. There's serious danger in acting like, you know, I got plenty of time. You know, you could die tomorrow. You could die today on your way home. I'm not trying to be morbid, but but we have no guarantee of when our last day is going to be. We have no guarantee. We don't know when Jesus is coming back exactly. It's going to happen suddenly. It's going to be unexpected. Here's the second characteristic of people who are not ready for the return of Jesus. They ignore the reality that Jesus is coming back to judge the world for their sins. So not only do they want to just like focus on the present, they want to ignore the fact that he's coming again. They don't want to face that. Like, don't talk to me about that. Second metaphor he uses, he says, while people are saying peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them. Just as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. See, the second metaphor he uses is that of a pregnant woman in labor. Now, not only are the labor pains, like they start suddenly and unexpectedly. Like, you know they're coming if you're pregnant, but, but you don't know exactly when the labor pains are coming. But, but he, he's going beyond that because he already told us about that with the thief. He's like, the, the, the labor pains, like when you are pregnant, the labor pains are unavoidable. It happens. You can't avoid labor pains if you're pregnant. He's saying in the same way, you can't avoid the return of Jesus Christ. He is coming again. You you can try to deny it. You can try to ignore it. You can try to rationalize why he won't come again. But listen, here's the truth. He's coming back to judge the living and the dead for our sins. Every one of us. And there's no avoiding it. But those who are not ready for the return of Jesus try to live for today and ignore the reality that he's coming again. I wonder this morning if if this describes you. I wonder this morning if you are trying to just live for the here and now and living to indulge your flesh and just trying to enjoy every moment you can and Ignoring the reality that Jesus is coming back and he's going to judge the living and the dead and every one of us will stand before him. 
I wonder if that describes how you're living today. If so, I want to say, you know, this morning I want to invite you to get ready for his return. This, this passage is an opportunity for you to get ready for his return. And some of you think, hey, I'm going to be fine. No worry, I'm good. Get ready for his return. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, let's look at what the, the passage says. Let's look at the Bible. The second group of people we see in this passage are those who are living ready for the return of Jesus. And, and there's three characteristics that are described in this passage of those who live ready for his return. And so let's look at those. The first one is this. Those who live ready for the return of Jesus have a new identity. Look at, look at verses 4 and 5. Look what God's word says. But you, church, he's telling them, are not in the darkness, brothers and sisters. You're not living in the darkness. He's, darkness is, a, is, he's talking spiritually. You're not living in the dark spiritually for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night of the darkness. And so what's being described here are two different states of being. Those who are children of the darkness and those who are children of the light. He's talking spiritually. Let's play a little game. Can we do that? I'm going to play Who Am I? You ever play that game? You like you give clues and you have to try to guess who I am? Okay, just go with it, right? I mean, it's, gonna, it's, it's just part of my illustration, okay? So, who am I? I live in the dark all the time. I learn to read Braille. I use a white cane with a red tip when I walk. Yeah, somebody here got it. A blind man. Blind woman, blind person, right? That's, that's, that's the, the things I described are, are the actions of someone who is that way. If your state of being is blindness, you can't see, then you do specific things as a result of being blind. Well, here's the thing. The Bible says a person who is spiritually in the dark is blind. Not blind physically, but blind spiritually, When you're in the dark, you call good evil and evil good. Have you ever been in a dark room, like pitch dark, and like you bump into things and you think you're going the right way and you're actually going the wrong way? People that are spiritually in the darkness are disoriented. They are confused. They call up, down, and down, up. They call good evil and evil good. When you're in the dark, you don't see your own sin. What are you talking about sin? When you're in the dark spiritually, you live, you live for the present, not by faith in the promises. When you're in the dark spiritually, you're not ready for the return of Jesus. And that's the first group that we saw that are living in the dark. But check this out. Check this out. This is, this is good news. Jesus said this. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Did you catch that? Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus. That means there are no other lights in the darkness. 
Right? I mean, like, like, it's not like, oh, it's dark out there. But guess what? There are many lights, and I just need to pick one of those lights and follow that light, and I'll be able to see my way. No, there is only one light, and his name is Jesus. And in the spiritual dark world, Jesus is the light of the world. And look what it says. Look what it says. And all who follow him will have the light of life in them. When you follow Jesus, you have the light of life in you. It's not your light. It's not like this light that shines in all of us just because we're humans. No, we all live in darkness. Because of our sin, because we're fallen, broken people. But the light of Christ illuminates us from the inside out. And so here's the thing. To be a a child of the light, to be children of the light, first of all, you have to admit you're living in darkness. I've been walking in darkness. I've been living in it. And then you have to believe Jesus is the light of the world. And then you have to step out in faith and follow him. And you become a new person. You become children of the light then. And that's the first characteristics of of those who are ready for the return of Jesus. They have a new identity. And that new identity is children of the light. And and this morning, I have to believe that there are some that are, whether you're here or you're watching online, that that you're still living in darkness. And this morning, the invitation is to, to, to see Jesus as the light of the world. Even to see him as the light of the world is a gift of grace from him. And to recognize that I'm in darkness and to believe Jesus is the light and then to trust him and and to say, I want to start following Jesus today. You can do that just now, even today in this moment, and you can go from being children of the darkness to become a child of the light. Some of you need to do that. Don't miss this opportunity today because his return is going to come suddenly and unexpectedly and it's unavoidable. And, And to be ready, you need to become a child of the light. But here's a second characteristic. Look at it. Those who live ready for the return of Jesus, not only are a new being, but, but now you act differently because of who you are. Right? I mean, get this. Who you are determines how you live your life. See, our world says exactly the opposite. Our world says what you do and what you have and, and how much you have and how good looking you are, that determines who you are. Well, well, no, in the Bible, what we see, God says, listen, who you are determines how you live your life. If you're a child of the darkness, you're going to live and act like you're in the dark. If you're a child of the light, then you're going to live and act as children of the light. And that's what he says here. In the Bible, being always precedes doing. Don't get this confused. Being always precedes doing. That's why it works righteousness. That's why being a good person doesn't get you into heaven. Because doing doesn't make you into somebody good. Being always precedes doing. Those who live ready for the return of Jesus, look what they do because of who they are. They stay spiritually alert and are sober-minded. Look at verses 6 to 8. So then, because of who we are now as children of the light, so then, let us not sleep. Now listen, he's talking spiritually here. Let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of the hope of salvation. 
This spring, many of us qualified for something called the stimulus check. Anybody get a stimulus check? A couple of us did, right? I don't know about you how that was working, but, but when I heard, I, mean, I looked at the who qualifies, and I thought, hey, I think I qualify. And, and so Jennifer and I were going to get a stimulus check, and, and so I like started to look for it. Like, I was a little more tuned into the mail. And like, you know, what's in the mail today? Did it come yet? And, and then after, like, I heard other people, some of you are like, hey, I got mine. I'm like, I didn't get mine yet. So I'm looking more. And then I'm like, wait a second, something must be wrong here. So I went online to the website, and I looked at the qualifications. And like, okay, I qualify. And then, well, what's, what's going on? It's like, well, maybe it's just delayed, or they ran out of money. I don't know. And so I kept looking and waiting. And like, after two and a half months... Like, when is it coming? I'm looking for it. I'm waiting for it. I'm watching for it. Man, guess what? It showed up in my mailbox. And I had more money. I'm going to have to pay for it, though, because we're going to have higher taxes. But anyhow, that's a different story. Um, you know, I was alert. I was alert. I knew it was coming. And I was on the lookout for it. How much more... As children of the light, do we know Jesus is coming back and we're to be alert, we're to be looking, we're to be ready, we're to be prepared. You know, we're spiritually tuned in. Like what frequency are you on today? Are you spiritually tuned in to what's going on around you and in your own life? And do do you even know spiritually what's going on in your own heart? Are you even aware of what's happening spiritually in your own heart today? Are you aware of the stuff that you're watching and reading and and taking in from the culture, how that's impacting your, your condition of your soul? Are you spiritually tuned into that? Are you spiritually tuned in, parents, to your children and the condition of your children's soul and what's happening to their soul based on what you're letting them watch and read? Are you tuned in spiritually? Are you alert spiritually to what's going on in your coworkers and the people around you and your neighbors and your friend? Are you spiritually even concerned about that today? Because guess what? Children of the light care deeply about those things. Those who have the light of Christ in them are spiritually alert on the lookout for the return of Jesus. They have a spiritual perception. They're, they're mindful of those things. But notice too, they also live sober. They live sober. You say, well, what, what does that mean? Well, it, it means what it says. <laughs> First of all, it means you're not going around indulging on alcohol and getting drunk. You know, the Bible says getting drunk is a sin. I used to grow up, growing up in, I mean, hey, this, this is a rabbit trail, just so you know, Jennifer. Um, and um, growing up, like, it used to, you used to hear that more often, like, drinking and, and getting drunk. I mean, it's, it's not a sin to, to drink alcohol, though it could cause somebody to stumble, so you've got to be mindful of that. But getting drunk, being out of control with alcohol, indulging your flesh with alcohol, that's a sin. Children of the light don't do that. Children of the light don't get drunk. But, but it's also, it means more than just getting drunk. It means we don't indulge our flesh. We don't live to gratify, get gratify our fleshly desires. 
Like, wow, if we, if we need to hear something today in the church more than ever before, we need to hear that. Because our world says, listen, uh, be you. You feel good, do it. You, you want to do that, I mean, do it. Indulge it. And, and the church is just like going right along with it. It's like, no, 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 children of the light. We just don't indulge our flesh whenever we feel like it. That's not how we live. We're not controlled by the flesh. We're not slaves of our flesh anymore. Jesus died to set us free from that. So we don't live that way any longer. I think I'm preaching a bit today. So what does it look like to live sober? Well, here's what it looks like. To put on faith. Instead of indulging your flesh and your desires, it means to live not based on what you touch and taste and see and whatever's in present in front of you, but live in the promises of God. Live by faith in the promises of this book. Know what the promises are and live by faith in those, not based on what your present situation is. That's faith. That's faith. That's living by faith in Jesus. Listen, it's tempting to be discouraged sometimes today. It's tempting to look around at our world or our situation, our circumstances, and just to kind of have the Eeyore mentality, like, well, poor me. That was not a good imitation of Eeyore. (laughs) Right? Just a poor me. Yeah, thank you. I'm trying. As Christians, we don't live that way. Do we struggle with that sometimes? Yes, we do. But, but when you live by faith in the word of God and his promises, then, then you live differently from the world. Put on love. What does it look like to live sober? It means to love. It means to love God. It means to love others. A children, child of the light, children of the light, that we love Jesus. Like Jesus is our all in all. We love the people around us. We love everyone. We love people that don't know Jesus. We love people that do know Jesus. Listen, we, we said, in case you missed the e-news this week, we decided, like, how can we love people through COVID right now? What can we do? And so we said, hey, one thing we can do is during the week, this space is open, this building, right? We said, what if we open it up to people that have to work at home, right? If you're, in a, if you're at home and you're, like, working remotely, sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes being in your house 24-7 is not a good thing. And you just need to get out. And so instead of charging you to go somewhere, you can just come here and, and we'll, we're going to set up workstations and you can come and work here during the week. And we just thought, man, if we could serve you that way, that would be great. It doesn't cost anything. We just need to know you're coming. But then we thought, wait a sec, wait a sec. What about all the kids that are doing remote learning? Like there's two parents, families, or single moms that have to work and their kids need somewhere to go. Well, we're going to open it up for them too. For middle school, high school kids, if you want to come, we'll have chaperone. And we'll say, we're going to serve you by letting your kids come here to be able to help you. Because we want to show the love of Jesus. Let me know if you want to do that. Here's the next one. Put on the helmet of the hope of salvation. Let's just strap it on right now. You know that salvation in the Bible is past, present, and future? Did you know that? It's past. 
That means, you know, Jesus died on the cross for my sins and, and for your sins. And when you trust him by faith, when you say, I'm living in the darkness, but Jesus is the light of the world and I become a child of the light, my sins are forgiven. And that's past tense. All of them are gone. They're forgiven in Jesus. But present tense, that's present tense salvation means that we are becoming more and more like Jesus as we live in this world because of his spirit in us. He's transforming us more and more into the likeness of Jesus. And so it's like, wow, my sins are forgiven and now I'm being made more like Christ. That's present tense. But wait, there's more. Future tense is, wait, he's coming back again. And when he comes back again, he's going to transform me into a new glorified body. And I'm going to be made perfect in every way, just like Jesus is perfect. And that's what's coming, if you know him. And so he's like, put on that helmet and remember that. And think about that. And dwell on those things. And remember those things. Here's the last characteristic we see. Those who live ready for the return of Jesus encourage others and build up the church. Verses 9 and 10. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, that means alive or dead, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. If you take a positive end of a magnet and you stick it next to the positive end of another magnet. Stay with me. This is, we're not getting beyond that. That's all we're, we're only going that level. If, if you do that, what happens? They, 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 they repel each other. Right? They, yeah, Bob, right? Bob, Bob's an engineer. I'm going to defer to Bob on this one, right? Okay. And so two magnets repel. Do you know that God is holy? Do you know that God is holy? It means he's completely other. He's completely without sin. He, he's completely other than us. He's in a completely different category from us. He is holy. He is great. He is good. He is perfect. He is completely holy and you know what because he is holy sin is repelled by his holiness sin is repelled by the holiness of god he can have nothing to do with sin nothing to do with sin it, it it's just it, it doesn't even it, uh, the other direction so that's why God, in his, in his great mercy and love, said, I want to make a way for you to have a relationship with, with me. Because he said, you know, every one of us is born into sin. Every one of us has sinned by, by, by our own decisions, our own actions. We, we all have sinned. And so here's what the Bible teaches, is that when you do that, you are repelled away from God's holiness, and you're now under his wrath. That repelling away from the holiness of God, that's called wrath. That's the wrath of God, repelled away forever and ever from the holiness of God. His wrath is real. And, and so Jesus sends, God sends Jesus out of his love for us to say, I want to make a way for you not to be repelled away forever and ever from my wrath. 
You know, that's what eternity in hell is, is to be forever repelled from the, the holiness of God. And so, so God does this. He sends his son, Jesus, right? And some of you are like, they forgot to put this umbrella away. What do they have an umbrella for? And I'm like, no, this is a prop. And uh, somebody was asking me about, you know, so what is, what is the blood of Jesus all about? Like the church makes such a big deal of the blood of Jesus. God sent his only son. And so he gave his life, his, his perfect life, his sinless life to die in your place and mine. To make a way for us to be reconciled to a holy God. And he did that by shedding his blood on the cross. And he says, if you come and you admit your sin, you admit you're in darkness and you believe in me, you trust in me, then guess what? The blood of Jesus is covering you so that you're no longer under the wrath of God. So the holiness of God repels sin. But when you're under the righteousness of Christ, when you're under the blood of Jesus, you are not repelled by God. You are actually drawn to Jesus, to God through Jesus Christ, through his shed blood. And so you're standing under his blood means I don't have to fear his wrath. I don't have to fear his judgment. I don't have to fear condemnation because I'm standing under the blood of Jesus. Are you standing under his blood today? See, when you're under his blood, you don't have to fear his return. When you're standing under his blood, you don't have to be afraid of his coming again. You're ready for it. You're living under the righteousness of Christ. And see, here's the thing about the return of Jesus. And and there's so much more in this that we could say, but... um, Why is it that when it gets closer and closer to the return of Jesus, do we find more and more things happening? Like the earth is shaking and the world is is like falling apart and there's more war and there's more disease. Why is that? Well, check this out, right? If If God is holy and he can't have anything to do with sin and our world is fallen and broken because it's infected by sin, including all of creation and all of humanity, then the closer it gets to his return, the holiness of God coming to this earth and descending and coming back, it's repelling sin in the world. It's disrupting things because his, his presence is getting nearer and nearer and nearer. And so we're to encourage each other in these things and to build each other up in these things as we wait and look forward to his return. And so we have to be doing this. He's coming back. We don't know when. We know it's close. We have to encourage each other. We have to build each other up with the truth of who we are under the umbrella of his love and his grace. We have to encourage each other of our salvation past, present, and future. We have to encourage each other to keep loving and to keep living by faith. But we need this. And you know what? I'm just going to say this, right? I am very concerned that one of the things going on now with COVID, because we are still, you know, isolated and alienated, is that as Christians, we, we're separated. And because we're separated, you know, then we, we, it's hard to be a Christian on your own. 
In fact, God didn't make us that way. And, and, and please don't hear me for those at home, like somehow I'm trying to manipulate you to come back. I'm absolutely not. But we need each other to do this. We need to be together. We need to encourage each other. We need to be uh, together on Sunday. We need to be together in a small group. You've you got to be in a group to do this, to encourage each other and to build each other up. And, and we need this. And it's just become too convenient and too easy for some of us to be able to say, I'm just going to stay home. And I'm not trying to guilt trip you. Please don't hear it that way. But I'm just concerned for some that if we're not together here and we're, or if we're not in each other's lives, if we're not doing this to build each other up, then we're going to become complacent and we're going to become apathetic and we're going to start living like the darkness. And it's like, no, he's coming soon. And, and so pray and just say, Lord, do, do you want me to get in the group? Do you want me to come back on Sunday with a mask or, or you know, and to be socially distant? Yes, but, but, but we need each other. We've got to continue to build each other up. Please receive that with the grace that's intended. Jesus loves you. He gave his life for you. So that we don't have to fear his return. But we can be confident on the day of judgment that we're standing under the blood of Jesus. Let's pray. Oh, Father, help us. Help us to not live as children of darkness. Father, forgive us where we have lived like children of darkness. And this morning, I pray for those that have never come to know the light of Jesus, that today they would choose to surrender to you. And to have their sins forgiven and to have the light of Christ living in them. And some this morning need to do that. I pray that they would. For others of us that have been living more like the darkness than children of the light, I pray that today would, would be a, a call to come back and live out who you are, to live as a child of the light, to stop living like the darkness around us and to live like the person that Jesus made you to be. And Lord, for us as, as a church, would you help us to, to be alert and to be sober-minded and to be encouraging each other and building each other up and building one another up in the faith so that we can remind each other of these truths and we can continue to grow together into the people that you've called us to be. Lord, help us with this. And thank you for your grace today. Oh, such grace. We love you, Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.